Yo, don't I got some rights? What rights do you think you're referring to? Rights, like in that official paper that they wrote down the street there? That's the Bill of Rights. Yeah, yeah, the Bill of Rights. Don't it say something about going after what makes you happy? No, that's the pursuit of happiness. But what's your point? My point is I'm pursuing something and nobody looks too happy about it. But we're just looking out for your interests. I appreciate that, but maybe you're looking out for your interests just a little bit more. I mean, you shouldn't be asking people to come down here and pay the freight on something they paid. It still ain't good enough. I mean, you think that's right? I mean, maybe you're doing your job, but why you gotta stop me from doing mine? Because if you're willing to go through all the battling you gotta go through to get to where you wanna get, who's got the right to stop you? I mean, maybe some of you guys got something you never finished, something you really wanna do, something you never said to somebody, something. And you're told no, even after you pay your dues, who's got the right to tell you that, who? Nobody. It's your right to listen to your gut, and ain't nobody's right to say no after you earn the right to be where you wanna be and do what you wanna do. Welcome to the main event. Yeah, maybe someone in the Republican Party is looking out for their best interest a little more than our best interest. There's some there's some weird things going on in this country, and we're going to talk about it today. And I uh, got some special guests to, to chime chime in in the studio with me today. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender, located in the city of Marina Valley. Also offices in Corona, Temecula, Orange, Downey, and Westlake Village, and soon to be West Covina. Just tying up some loose strings on our on our location there. If you're interested in getting any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone because you're at work and you're stealing time from your boss, wait till your lunch break. Go to edhoffman.net. If your company system allows you to go to my website, go to edhoffman.net, click on uh, apply now, put in as much information as you uh, as you want me to have and uh, let us know how much information you want. You'll hear back from me or one of my teammates, Matt Bradbury, Randy Sampius, Alex Rojas, or Justin Clark, and we'll contact you through email or text or telephone or cell phones or smoke signals or however you want to communicate and help you fill in your... Uh, your puzzle of for real estate financing. If you want to hear something repeated, you can uh, also be on edhoffman.net, click on listen to the main event, and you can hear this show as well as past four shows, or you can get the podcast on iTunes. Go to iTunes, search the main event, and you can uh, subscribe for free, have it download on your phone or your your computer or whatever device you get iTunes on, and uh, you can hear it once a week, any time of day you want. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, Like the, and you can like our show on Facebook. Uh, just search the main event 590 to find our show page, and you can read my weekly opinion columns. You know, because everybody has an opinion, and I think everybody's entitled to mine. Um, so uh, you can uh, just go to iebusinessdaily.com, click on the opinion tab. You'll see my full list of columns this week. It's uh, about the protest at Trump's rallies last week. Who uh, who's really behind them, and whether we can expect more of these disruptions? And you know, see through see through the the BS. 
that they're putting on the putting on the screen and making you think that Trump's dividing this country. I don't think that's the case, but that's my opinion. I could be wrong. I'm not, but I could be. Okay, so uh, before we get into uh, what's happening, let me give you a couple updates. Uh, veterans, uh, Saturday, March 26th, next weekend, um, if you're interested in learning about how to uh, buy a house with zero or zero down, uh, or very little down, depending on uh, how well you, how well your realtor can negotiate for you, um, you can get in with nothing out of your pocket into a, into a new house, and there's a VA Association of uh, Real Estate Professionals, uh, VA Rep of Riverside Chapter, is uh, hosting the Veterans House. Housing Summit is going to be held at the Corona Public Library Saturday, 11:30. It's free. If you want to uh, go into a uh, into an environment where you don't feel like you're being sold, the Corona Public Library. It's located at 650 South Main Street, Corona. Uh, next Saturday, 11:30 a.m. It'll last till five. There'll be uh, uh, people there to help you out with uh, with uh, learning about this stuff, including. Uh, the wonderful people at Wholesale Capital will be there as well. Um, also, just so you know, so you can feel safe, uh, I went and uh, qualified for my CCW net last weekend, so uh, shortly be uh, there to protect you if you're sitting in a movie theater and I'm in it. I'll be packing. So anyway, uh, just so you know, um, the CCW process is not as hard as as it, I was once told it, it was. And uh, actually... Um, was kind of fun going through the training it makes you uh, appreciate the those killing machines that we call firearms and uh and respect them so that you don't end up getting hurt if you're going to carry so uh uh I enjoyed that so anyway oh and also I'm going to call out the the class I went to was was streetsafedefense.com street safety fence uh Martinelli and Associates I think they're called um it's streetsafedefense.com they're in Temecula they do their training class in Paris at Ren Ranch and uh Roger and Roger the guys that taught us to to shoot and taught us how to uh to uh, train our brain for CCW, um, wonderful. It was very, uh, very unintimidating, very uh, relaxed, and uh, I actually passed with three different guns. And I'm not really a gun guy up until then. So uh, streetsafedefense.com. I promised them I'd mention that on the radio. So anyway, let's talk about what's going on in this uh, in this uh, world. This this specifically in our country this week. And uh, first of all, I want to bring on my two guests. As usual, my normal co-pilot, Mr. Scott McAfee, proprietor of Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands, uh, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country, bike two shops in the country. Uh, Scott, welcome back. Yo, Ed, it's great to be back in the house as always. And we also have another business owner, Mr. Bruce Bloomberg, proprietor, owner, broker of Dolphin Realty in, uh, in uh, Torrance. Um, here for the first time and uh, been doing business with Bruce for a long time. And he said, hey, you know what? I like to come in and um, chime in on some of that stuff when you're uh, you, with you and Scott. And uh, I said, you sure you don't want to come in with just me? Now, nah, I want Scott there too. Bruce, <laughs> welcome to the hot seat. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here in this hot seat. Yes. All righty then. So we're going we're gonna to talk about this stuff and uh, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to talk about what's happening and we're going to explain to everybody out there what it means to them in English. So uh, Tuesday, we had a primary. We called it Super Tuesday 2. Donald Trump swept the contest by winning Illinois and North Carolina. Uh, Decisively, he barely edged out Cruz in Missouri. And the biggest story of the night was stealing away Marco Rubio's home state of Florida. And and Florida was one of the two states that were winner-take-all, Ohio being the other one. And uh, Kasich got up being the governor of Ohio and basically wasted 66 delegates and encouraged him to stay in. But uh, now that's inevitable that 
Trump is going to take the now that it's inevitable that he's going to be the nominee or so it seems. I know you guys are going to argue with that, um, but he's finally taken the advice of the people endorsing him. Uh, people like Ben Carson, who has promised voters Trump will start acting more presidential. You know what? Of all of all the all the um, endorsements that anybody's gotten. Ben Carson's endorsement of Trump means more to me than I don't care if Christie endorsed him. I know he wants to be vice president or attorney general or whatever he wants to be. But I think Ben Carson is a is a man of character and thought. And I think I I really take that seriously. I you know the fact that he sat down and sat down with them and had conversation felt in his heart that he could endorse him. To me, that meant a lot. Right. Ed, wait a minute. The what about Carly Fiorina endorsing Ted Cruz? Does that not count for chump change? Or that what? was that was a punch in the gut for me. Oh, please. <laughs> that was I think I think Carly Fiorina was emotional about him making the comment about her face, which oh. was out of line. And I'll say Trump wasn't my first choice or second or third or fourth. <laughs> only because only because he's an un, he, well, he's somewhat of an unknown, but I think he has a lot to bring to the table. And basically, if it's him or Cruz or uh, Kasich, I'm Trump all the way. Well, guys, I think you already know I disagree with that. Cruz is the disciplined individual. He's consistent in his philosophy and his presentation. He's not a soundbite. But he also uh, makes uh, Trump responsible for things that his down his downline does. His his little people. Hey, you know what? You guys hired a bunch of uh, illegal uh, Polish immigrants to tear down a, uh, a building in uh, in uh, 1978 or something like that. And, you know, you hired illegal aliens, but he doesn't take any responsibility for the fact that they tweeted out that Carson got out of the race right before the people caucused in Iowa. I don't know. A little double standard there, I think. Um but Trump actually, Trump actually started acting acting a little bit more presidential. Here's a little piece of his his speech after uh, winning four states. We have something happening that actually makes the Republican Party probably the biggest political story anywhere in the world. Everybody's writing about it all over Europe, all over the world. They're talking about it. Millions of people are coming in to vote. This was an example of it today. And it's just a different thing. We have a great opportunity. And the people that are voting are Democrats are coming in, independents are coming in, and very, very importantly, people that never voted before. It's an incredible. I would agree with that. And, you know, that, hey, that people are talking about how a big chunk of the Republicans don't want to vote for for uh, for Trump. But they also a big chunk of the people voting never voted before. They're coming in because of Trump. And then here's before I get your comments. Here's a here's the part of the speech I liked the best. Um, and, and basically his his jab at the Bernie Sanders crowd. We're going to make our country rich again. We're going to make our country great again. And we need the rich in order to make the great. I'm sorry to tell you. I love that because without without fixing the economy, nothing else matters. Well, uh, you know, look, obviously the problems with Trump have nothing to do with the things you just mentioned. The problems with Trump are the things that you and I have been uh, texting each other back and forth about a lot of his stupid comments. Um, it, it, he said some very ridiculous things, things that were unnecessary and things that give people like me pause to, I, I mean, there's, there's points where I watch Trump and I think to myself, is this really him or is this him play acting a character of himself? I don't really know. Bruce, your thoughts. Well, I think uh, the best statement came out yesterday when uh, he talked about his best foreign advisor is himself and his brain. That's not really presidential, to say the least. Uh, yeah, but 
You know what? If he's not, if he's, you know, his foreign policy, I don't, I don't completely agree with. But you know what? There's, there's nobody's policy that I, that I agree with. Every, there's no candidate that I agree with all their policies other than Carly Fiorina, and she's not in anymore. But there's the foreign policy thing. You know, George W. Bush. I saw him speak, and he said the first, the first thing you have to know to be president is what you don't know. You have to surround your people, surround yourself with people that do know and listen to them. And I don't know how you can run a company, company without doing that same thing because the size of my company, I've got 175 employees, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know about the inner workings and all the and all the regulations of what's going on in the in the mortgage business and every little angle of it. And I surround myself with people that are specialists in each department, and I listen to them. When I say my gut says this and they go, and eh, you can't do that because this, 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 okay, you're right. And I listen and I know the size of my company compared to Trump international is it, my, my mind's a fly speck on the screen compared to his. I don't believe he could have gotten to where he is without surrounding himself with smart people and also listening to them. Well, that, that may be true. Um, but you know, look, I, I think when you, when you compare the two, cause now it's down to a two man race as I knew it would be. And now it is. And what do you know? My guy is still one of the last people standing. My guy is Ted Cruz. Obviously I think when you compare the demeanor between the two, you're, you're going to get radical change, no matter whether it's Ted Cruz or it's Donald Trump. There's no doubt about that. The issue is with Trump, we really don't know what we're going to get. I don't think Trump supporters really know what we're going to get. And I'm fine with that. If, if it's that or Hillary Clinton, I'll take the unknown any day of the week over the known, which we know Hillary Clinton will be a disaster. But with Ted Cruz, I think, Bruce, if you would concur, we've got a pretty good idea what we're going to get for president. Absolutely. Wears it on his shirt sleeves. You're going to, well, he wears it on his shirt sleeves until he gets caught doing something behind the scenes. Um, like he didn't know about the guy with the Photoshop of putting uh, Rubio's face on uh, Kevin McCarthy's body, shaking hands, smiling at, at, uh, at uh, Obama. At the Capitol steps or the, you know, it's all those little things that just, and he, he just smiles and goes, tries to be innocent. You know what? Trump, Trump will say, Hey, I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's me. I'm a counter. You know, I love the, the speech he, he made after, uh, I don't know, a couple Saturdays ago when they had a bunch of States up and, uh, I was watching he goes, he goes, you know, I know I shouldn't, you know, get into these things as, as a presidential candidate, but when someone takes a shot at me, I punch back. That's me. And he says, I'll be that way with other countries. You know, when other countries push us around, I'll punch back. I won't, I won't sit there. And you know what? And part of me says, hey, well, maybe you should have a little slower. And I know that he'll have advisors. But you know what? Aren't we tired of being the wimp of the world? Remember when we used to, when Reagan was in there and we, we had the, we, uh, you know, uh, uh, peace through strength. It wasn't peace through being a wimp. Uh, don't get mad at us. I promise I'll be nice. You know, versus, hey, we got the biggest, baddest, toughest military. Don't mess with us or you're going to get dead. Ed, Ed and Scott, I think we all agree. There's no question when we go to wars, we shouldn't fight with one arm behind our backs like we've been doing. No question about it. But you talked about Trump being the businessman. He trotted out like QVC after one of the elections and there was steaks, there was water, there was wine, there was all these different things that he's had that are all out of business. They're all done. So why is he promoting it like if they're successful? And university, Trump University got a D in the, in the debate, got a D, promoted a D rating and he argued and said, no, I got an A. Actually, 
it came out, he changed the name of the company. Trump University is out of business. He said it's suspended. No, it's out of business. He changed the name. Okay, Trump University was a learn how to be successful in real estate. It wasn't really a university. He called it a university. I will tell you that that at my company, we originate loans. And I often bring some new loan officers that don't have a big pipeline or don't haven't been in the business very long. And I put them on my team for six months or a year or, or a year and a half. And I say, hey, this seat, you're going to make less per loan, but you're going to work on so many loans. This is Mortgage University because I have so much business coming in. I can't touch them all. And you're going to touch so many loans so fast that you're going to see every little scenario. You're going to learn so much faster that you're in Mortgage University. It's not a university. I just call it that because a learning learning experience. And people are playing it like, well, it wasn't an accredited university. How many people do you know that graduated from USC or UCLA for not 15,000 or 30,000 for like 200,000 and that that uh, degree can't get them a job for more than $30,000 a year. No argument. Wonder wonder if we should put a better business bureau on these universities and who's paying for those things? Guaranteed student loans that are never going to get paid back and who's going to pay those? We are. We are. <laughs> So let's talk about uh, uh, Ted Cruz. He picked up a few delegates. Uh, He failed to win any state on Tuesday night. And uh, I thought it was pretty funny when he made this comment. Tonight was a good night. Tonight we continued to gain delegates and continue our march to 1,237. Wish I could put body language and facial expressions on the radio Look, because the big, that was classic. The biggest hits Ted Cruz gets is based on his looks. I'm sorry. What can I say? I'll concede my wife's point. He does not look good in a pair of jeans. I don't care. I don't care what he looks like. I, I don't care that he doesn't look good in jeans. Not everybody can look like me in a pair of jeans, Ed. You know, I'm just saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look at what the guy look at the guy's track record. He's argued in one Supreme Court cases. He's the real deal. He's genuine. Uh, look, if you don't if you don't want Trump as the nominee, now it's down to a two-man race. I don't know why Kasich is still in there. That's just an absolute waste of time. Uh, it's come down to two nominees. Uh, and again, I'll support either one of them, obviously, uh, but I will be voting for Ted Cruz, and, and that's why. So, and I, th- I think a lot of the reluctance on the part of Republicans too, like Larry Elder, I heard him mention, um, you know, well, you know, yeah, I really like Ted Cruz, but uh, since we're now, and this is what Larry Elder said, we're now a center left country, he would not win. Um, and honestly, I think actually either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz could both win this thing. I think anybody could, I think any, any of the above, starting with the 17, well, maybe not that one guy, Gilmore. <laughs> But maybe 16 out of 17. <laughs> Certainly the top six could have could have won this against Hillary, in my opinion. I think the, the polls are wrong because I know they're calling to poll me and I don't answer the, answer the phone. But that's what I think. And I wasn't talking about what he looks like. I was talking about his facial expressions. Oh, okay. How he, how he put his chin into his chest and said, this was a good night. <laughs> I'm lying. You know, they have those uh, body body language uh, he, experts. That, he's still in the race, Ed, and it is still mathematically possible for him to win. Well, you know, and still one of one of my hesitations is he's not a natural-born citizen. Oh, and, that's uh, and 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 you know what? Nobody's bringing this up because they don't want to deal with it. But if we've got laws, we've got to obey. And, and maybe we can't. 
I want someone, whether it's the Supreme Court or somebody who matters, to say, hey, the natural-born citizen laws have been changed by the fact that we let Barack Obama be president when his dad was not a citizen, was never a citizen, was, you know, wasn't he, I don't know that he was here legally when he, when he knocked up Barack Obama's mom, but, uh, he, but he was, a he was, a from Kenya where Barack Obama was born basically. But, uh, but if they say that changes the rules because we can't go back and undo the last eight years, then I'm okay with that. But at this point, everything written in writing says Cruz doesn't qualify. Actually, if I can just add a couple of notes there, Ed. Uh-huh. In 1790, a statute was put in place that absolutely designates it as a natural-born citizen. If you're wrong, excuse me, right here, buddy. Huh? The statute conferred birth-based American citizenship on any foreign-born baby who had at least one parent who was a U.S. citizen, so long as that parent had met certain conditions of extensive prior physical presence in the United States, and his mom did. The difference between that birther issue and the number one birther issue that nobody wants to talk about anymore is the fact that Obama's mom gave birth at 14. She didn't have five years or more within the United States. So that's the distinctive difference between the two and why Cruz is a natural born citizen. Uh, You're wrong. If If you read how it was written, it says, a child born of American citizens born abroad is a natural born citizen. It doesn't say, it doesn't say, it doesn't say citizen. It says citizens. And and uh, that thing there refers to being a citizen, not being a natural born citizen. Bruce, Ed and I have debated this issue for an entire show and it's gone nowhere. So what else? <laughs> so And we've had had uh, constitutional scholars that couldn't, yes. couldn't say, well, if you take the S out of the sentences, that changes the whole sentence. If we ch- They made the sentence with S's in it because of how they wrote the first part of the sentence. Had, Say if you take the S's out of it, well, if you if you change the name Barack Obama to Rudy Giuliani, then we'd still be in Iraq and there wouldn't be ISIS. You know, the S's were there, and you can't argue how they wrote it. It's the words. That's how laws work. You can read other people's interpretations, but the laws are the laws, as I say it. So, uh, so hey, let's. Uh, we got a few minutes left of the first half. So, Rubio, uh, Rubio, thanks to the winner take all Florida. Uh, where Rubio's U.S. Senator Marco Rubio finally suspended his campaign. Um, let's play a clip from his exit speech. After tonight, it is clear that while we are on the right side this year, we will not be on the winning side. While this may not have been the year for a hopeful and optimistic message about our future, I still remain hopeful and optimistic about America. While it is not God's plan that I be president in 2016 or, or maybe ever, And while today my campaign is suspended, the fact that I've even come this far is evidence of how special America truly is. Well, I can argue he didn't quite come that far. He he hung around a little bit. Well, you know, look, uh, it's funny because I know Dennis Prager uh, a month or so ago on his show said, you know, I'd like I would like Ted Cruz to bow out for the good of the party and let let uh, Rubio be the nominee. And of course, I'm there going, no, how about the other way around? And of course, I got my wish. Uh, Rubio dropped out. And I really think that a lot of those supporters for Rubio are going to go towards Cruz. Bruce, your thoughts? Completely agree. Absolutely not. It's anybody but Trump is the attitude out there. 65% are still against Trump in the Republican primaries. So you're seeing on the news. But I disagree. 
It's called numbers, statistics. Yeah, but it's coming from the media, who obviously is in the tank for something they're not sure of. I think there's so much there's so much corruption going on in our in our country with this thing called tax money that we have no idea. That's why the even the Republicans are are scared out of their mind. At what what are we going to do if if Trump wins the twelve thirty seven, which I think he will. He's uh, well, the delegate count right now is. Uh, Trump 678, Cruz 413, Kasich 143, and of course there's Rubio 169 of those. Um, I think Trump Trump in the in the primary is going to take California. There's 172 of the 500 he needs that 535 or something he needs. He's going to take Arizona next week. That's 72. I think he 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 basically needs to win five or six out of the next 20 states. And he's there. Okay, look, I think the the establishment people need to understand that their day in the sun is over. They're going to be out of power here pretty quick because it's either going to be Trump or Cruz. They need to get used to it. And we're out of time for part one of the main event. We're going to break for five minutes of traffic, weather, and uh, commercials, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. You don't hear much talk about mortgage financing and reverse mortgages and all that stuff, but if you want to do that and you want to do it with somebody who's, who thinks like you and you know exactly where they're coming from, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. I notice there's a lot of people advertising reverse mortgages. Um, I will tell you that if you need if you need one, if you're over 62 and you're looking for that, call me. I do them cheaper than anybody and uh, they are a great, great thing. So uh, learn from whoever you learn from. Call me and I'll uh, I'll dial you in, fill in the, fill in the blanks. And uh, if you're going to buy a refi, 855-640-2020. So I'm in the studio. For those of you that didn't catch the first half, we're talking about what we always talk about. But in the studio today, I got Scott McAfee, as usual, uh, proprietor of Don's Bikes and uh, world-famous uh, political commentator. And uh, <laughs> Bruce Bloomberg, uh, proprietor and owner-broker of Dolphin Realty. In uh, Actually, in Torrance, he has to listen on the podcast because I don't think uh, this station quite goes out, out to Torrance. Uh, but just so you know, our, our message is getting out there. Uh, Bruce and Scott, you ready for round two? Let's do it, Ed. All right. Absolutely. So, we, so we were just talking about uh, Rubio getting out of the race and where his delegates are going to go. So even though Rubio is out of the race, he retains 169 delegates until the convention. What happens then? Here's Trace Gallagher explaining what happens to Rubio's bound and unbound delegates, which I'm sure most of you weren't familiar with because I wasn't clear on this either. Let's play that. Marco Rubio's delegates are from 20 states and Puerto Rico, but 134 of those delegates are bound, meaning their states require them to vote for Rubio on the first ballot, even though he's no longer in the race. On later ballots, they can vote for whoever. 35 of Rubio's delegates are unbound, so when Rubio dropped out, they became free agents who can vote for anyone, and that makes them extremely valuable to the campaigns because if the candidates can't hit the magic number, of 1237, the next best thing is to gather enough free agents to win on the first ballot, which is exactly what happened back in 1976. Going into the convention, Gerald Ford didn't have a majority, but he did have a slight lead over Ronald Reagan. And by promising the delegates things like White House visits and other goodies, Ford was able to pick up enough support to win on the first ballot. 
by 60 votes. So Rubio's got 169 delegates. 134 are wasted. They're sticking with Rubio, kind of like the 66 that Ohio gave uh, Kasich last week. Uh, and here's the deal on contested convention of 76. That was your Gerald Ford and an insurgent conservative named Ronald Reagan uh, arrived at the Republican convention. Both candidates short of clinching the nomination. Both sought to sway their way into the majority by promising perks to the delegates. Ford accumulated enough delegates just before the first floor vote. So the first floor vote, all the delegates have to vote how they were, how they were, um, how the the votes went. But the unbound ones, like the like the thirty five that Rubio that that are unbound, those can go. So they're going to be uh, playing politics and trying to sway those votes um, before the vote. Um, and that happens if Trump doesn't get twelve thirty seven, which I think he will. Um, Ford accumulated enough delegates just before, and uh, and. You know, talking about the, you know, I want to, besides talking about the possibility of this happening in 2016, what would have been different if that didn't happen, if Ronald Reagan got him? Ronald Reagan would have been president in 1976, which means we wouldn't have had Jimmy Carter. And then he'd be, the first half of his, the first half of his actual term would have been him. And I wonder how that would have changed things. What if, what if? Uh, well, I think the one thing we can all agree on, this system is quite confusing as hell. Um, and I'll tell you another thing, too. What's up with these perks? Well, hey, look, uh, if you vote for me, I'll give you five tickets to Disneyland and free ice cream all year. Okay. I mean, it just sounds so ridiculous. It's slimy. <laughs> yeah. It's slimy. And so when you hear the Republicans, the Republican, well, the Republicans, you hear, the, hear everybody trying to sway everybody away from Donald Trump, you're saying... What slimy stuff is going on that they don't want to go away and they don't want an outsider to come in? Well, yeah. And, and as I said earlier, I think these the establishment people are freaking out and they're just going to have to get over it because things are not going to go their way this time. It's a very anti-establishment year on both sides, I think, Democrat and Republican. Well, and with that in mind, what's going to happen if Hillary does get indicted? That's a good question. We'll, we'll Hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to in talk my, about that. In my opinion, it seems inevitable, but I think... This is my gut feeling. Hmm. And my gut feeling was eight years ago, we should have had Rudy Giuliani as our as our nominee. And my gut feeling was four years ago, we should have had Newt Gingrich. And I was right on, dead on, accurate on those. Uh, so I know I'm dead on accurate about everything else going on this year, too. But my gut feeling is... My, you may, you may, you may uh, not share my opinion, but you're wrong. Um, my gut feeling is... There's so much evidence the Justice Department can't help but indict her, but I think they know that if they do anything before January 20th, 2017, that Barack Obama will pardon her. And maybe that's their out. Maybe they say, hey, we don't really want to prosecute Clinton, but let's go ahead and do it so it looks like we're doing our job and we know that she'll get off because Obama will pardon her on his last day in office. But I think my gut says they're dragging their feet because he can't pardon her unless she's convicted of something you know ed you and i talked about this uh this scandal months ago and it was really our our best dream scenario possible we couldn't have asked for a better scandal because it keeps growing and building and there's no way out of it hillary there's just no way out so what is going to happen well the fbi will recommend bringing charges there's no way they cannot there's no way they cannot we all know uh, enough information just we know enough information to where that recommendation will happen now will the justice department take it up probably not i say but it doesn't matter at that point 
who's going to take this lady seriously as a candidate? I mean, really? Who, who's? I mean, and you can never underestimate the stupidity of the American voter, Ed. You and I know that firsthand. But oh yeah, uh, I mean, you couldn't have selected a weaker candidate to go up against our Republican nominee, whoever that nominee is going to be. Uh, I, I can't wait. I can't. And I think either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz is going to make her look really stupid on stage in those debates coming up. And I would also, I would also say that if they if they recommend having charges, so if they recommend them and Loretta Lynch doesn't do anything about right, it, right, which is my prediction, then Obama can't pardon her, right? Right. But what if the Justice Department of Chris Christie comes in when he's Attorney General under Trump? Uh, what happens if he files charges after January twentieth, two thousand seventeen? As long as the statute of limitations are in place, she gets a new suit. With stripes. Right, Are you exactly. talking about a pantsuit? Yep. She gets a new pantsuit. It's an orange one. Nice. It'll be an orange <laughs> pantsuit. I think I think it is I think it is an orange one. Now let's talk about the possibility of Donald Trump being forced to run third party. Because as we as we know, three influ- here's the story from yes from uh from Thursday. Three influential leaders of the conservative movement have summoned other top conservatives for closed door meeting Thursday in Washington, DC to talk about how to stop Donald Trump. And should he become the Republican nominee and how to run third party true conservative challenger in the fall? The organizers of the meeting, Bill Witcherman, who's President George W. Bush's liaison to the conservative movement, Bob Fisher, a South Dakota businessman and longtime conservative convener. Okay, anyway, he's a longtime conservative uh, guy, a business guy who gets all the conservatives together and, and tries to get favors, probably. And Eric Erickson, the outspoken Trump opponent and conservative activist who founded RedState.com. The invitation reads, Please join other conservative leaders to strategize how to defeat Donald Trump for the Republican nomination. And if he is Republican nominee for president, to offer a true conservative candidate in the general election. Quite frankly, I think everybody should butt out. I would agree. And I would say this, uh, Bruce, you and I, obviously, we're not we're not Trump supporters. We will support him in the general where we are cruise people. However, I think a lot of the shenanigans actually helps Trump. It really does, because I think this is the year where we don't want these establishment people telling us what to do and how to vote uh, and keeping their places in their little power spots. What your your thoughts? Absolutely. And, and this election is too important. Just focus on the Supreme Court justice nomination. One now, two and three, maybe during the term. It's too important not to have an R next to the winning person that wins the election, whether it's Trump or Cruz. And, ex- and exactly. I think, quite frankly, if they bring in a third party conservative because they don't like who the who the people voted for, what are they saying? Hey, we select the nominee. The people don't. Right. And, and, I, and I think I think that should start something bigger than the Boston Tea Party, but it should go on all, all over the country. Well, and the question is, who are they going to bring in? Who are you going to bring Jeb Bush in? I mean, who who Paul Ryan? Who are the who do they think they're actually? They're not. They don't like Ted Cruz. And I guess my question is, I don't know who they hate more, Ted Cruz or Donald Trump. I mean, they hate them both, and well, they don't want either one of them. Well, one, of the, one of the things that I think and hope will happen is Trump will continue starting to act presidential and he'll talk to the people and make them feel more comfortable that, Hey, my shenanigans to, to win the primaries, I had 16 opponents. I had to knock them out. I had to do whatever I got to do to, to knock everybody out. So then I can, then I can just talk plain and simple and policy against uh, Hillary and we can, we can turn this country around. 
Well, he's, he's going to have to. He's going to have to win back a lot of people. And here's the issue. If you look at the Trump-Cruz issue, I believe that Trump will bring a lot of people over from the other side. I don't think, there's no doubt about that. Uh, however, he's also going to, I think, lose a certain percentage of Republicans. And the question is, will one offset the other? I think with Ted Cruz, he probably won't get as many crossover people, but he'll get all the evangelicals, the, the people that really like his style, people like, obviously, Bruce. And I mean, people that supported Rubio that or maybe wouldn't come out for Trump. Trump. So it's really a mathematical game. I mean, who ultimately is going to be the, the strongest candidate? And that's what we're going to be seeing over the next. Well, I think even the evangelicals, the you'll uh, I think you'll also see a lot of them swayed by by, hey, you know what? All our religious rights and all that stuff, it's going to come down to, hey, I don't really like Trump, but how how uh, how evil is it going to be to have Hillary Clinton? Right. And, and the truth of the matter is, based on the results so far, the evangelicals are not voting as a block anymore. Clearly, a bunch of them voted for Trump and continue to vote for Trump. So it's not something where we can just pin a point and say, oh, well, they're going to now go to Trump. They're already, in some cases, going for Trump. So, and, and because, and I, in my opinion, is Ted Cruz does, doesn't seem genuine on certain things. He, you know, he holds up his Bible and and preaches all that stuff, and he and he sounds like a preacher. I'm sure he's a good a good strong Christian and all that stuff, but he just does things that just make you go. Mm, I just don't know where he's coming from. At least Trump. At least Trump. Hey, Trump. Trump's. I'm trying to look for a clean word I can say on the radio. Trump is a little bit of a a h at times, which so am I. Yeah, but you're not running for president, Ed, and you don't see inappropriate things like comparing Bed Carson to a pedophile or telling Hugh Hewitt nobody watches his show or it goes on and on and on. So it's a level of professionalism that's turned some people like me off to an extent. Um, you know, again, I but I see some pluses to Trump, too. He's created a lot of excitement on our side. There's no doubt about that. Uh, a lot of these voter turnouts are definitely Trump related. We're getting lots of attention. Uh, I think that's fantastic. Um, but again, now it's coming down to my guy or Trump. So, uh, we're going to see where it goes from here. And I think, and I think, uh, when it comes down to, there's a lot of stuff about Trump that he said that I just, I just cringe and yep. you know, his foreign policy about, we should never gone into Iraq. I believe we had a chance to turn the middle East into something. It wasn't going to happen in five years or 10 years. Had we not pulled out, I think that would have been a great legacy for George W. Bush, who I think was a great president. Um, a good, strong man of principle and did things based on not what was popular, but what was best for the country. Um, I think, I think there's enough people that believe that he can turn something around and they're just not sure about Ted Cruz. Okay. We got hope and change in 2008. It was a soundbite. We now have Trump and his soundbites. I'm concerned. I'm still going to vote for him if he gets the nomination, but I'm concerned. Let's get past the su the sound bites. Let's get into some substance. Bruce, I have to ask you a question or I would be remiss. You're Jewish, correct? Yep. What is up with Jewish people in the United States that they vote Democrat? Please uh, explain this to me because I don't get it. I'd be happy to. Okay. First of all, it's not the, ma the majority of the ones that are voting that are Jewish are very reformed Jews. They're not really religious Jews. For the most part, the Orthodox Jews, which I am not Orthodox, but the conservative to Orthodox wing absolutely are more conservative in ideology. So to answer your question, it baffles me too. <laughs> okay, just checking. 
Bruce, Bruce checking. and I have been slowly trying to turn one one uh, person in the family. Uh, Your sister. At a time. My sister. My sister is a. She doesn't spend enough time in California to 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 get enough of me and Bruce, and I don't think she listens to my show, even though I email it to her every week. Right. Well, to me, it makes no sense why any sometimes Jewish person. I, sometimes I make comments just to stir some stir some response from her, just to see if she just to see if she listened, and she doesn't. Nice. nice. I even got you insulting her sometimes. Uh, well, occasionally when it's appropriate. I, it makes no sense to me why any Jewish person, if you're listening and you're voting Democrat, why are you voting Democrat? It makes no sense. You want the Iranian nuclear deal. You want the support of the Palestinian terrorists. I mean, really, I think I think Israel could be attacked by a nuclear bomb. And I don't know if the Democrats would really care one way or the other. I re- Maybe John Kerry would come out and condemn it in the strongest possible terms. But, but really, do they even care? It makes no sense. I don't get it. it any more than to me, it makes sense that a Catholic could vote Democrat. I am a I'm a practicing non-Catholic. I go to church every Sunday with my wife. Um, how can you be a Catholic and vote Democrat uh, and vote pro-abortion and 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 all that? It, it, I don't get it. It makes no sense. I right there with you. I, how, why do black people uh, vote Democrat? Also makes no sense. They don't realize that you know who freed the slaves was Abraham Lincoln, the Republican, the Republican Party founder. How about uh, how about the uh, the the civil rights movement was all Republicans that passed that? How about everything that's good for anybody minority has been passed by Republicans and the Democrats fight it? Except for during election season, they act like they're for the minorities and then they continue to ignore them and do nothing that helps them because really a handout doesn't do anything for for the minorities it's give them opportunity and teach them and teach everybody how to work teach everybody to have some character teach everybody to have some integrity teach everybody to have some work ethic and become everything you want to be instead of instead of uh giving them handouts and and crippling them from doing something better with their lives preaching to the choir Exactly. So, um, evidence that the, here's some more evidence that the establishment is out to get Trump. This guy, uh, Curly Hogland, uh, at the uh, Republican National Committee Rules Committee chair, uh, was on CNBC on Squawk Box this week, and uh, let's hear what he said. Right now, the rules say that you have to win at least eight states or eight uh, different districts in order to be considered, and the only person who's done that so far is Donald Trump. Well, and that's a misunderstanding. That rule actually is different than that. That's a vote that needs to be taken at the convention of the delegates. Uh, the requirement is that the uh, candidate must demonstrate the support of eight, the de- majority of the delegates from eight states that are permanently seated. So that vote can't even be taken until the convention. So obviously uh, no determination can be made until the convention. So that, that vote that we thought, or that rule that we thought stood is not a rule that actually stands? No, it is a rule that stands, but the rule says specifically that it's a vote of the delegates at the convention oh, to determine the if there's a majority. Voters. Not a not a primary vote. Okay, first of all, who names their kid Curly? Uh, I've always been more of a Shemp fan myself. Oh, wise guy. <laughs> oh, wise guy. Those yeah, yeah. rules they don't apply. It's the delegates that make the votes. That's that's who's doing it. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> rule number one, you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> rule number two, you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> Your turn. You don't talk about Fight Club. All righty then. So, you know, the, the rules are the rules what we make. Why if, I oughta. Rule number one is Ed all, is always right. <laughs> rule number two is if Ed's ever wrong, refer to rule number one. <laughs> 
Okay, so that's just what I say. All right. So they're gonna they're gonna change the rules as necessary to get what they want, because uh, in the Republican National Committee's opinion, in the establishment of the of the uh, corrupt government, it's uh, our nominee isn't elected. Our nominee is selected. It's not elected by the people. It's selected by a uh, a a uh, select few, and I think it's BS. It's selected by Curly and the other two Stooges. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh, right, guys. <laughs> okay, so uh, so let's talk about uh, this week. Uh, Obama uh, nominated the Supreme Court. He put his Supreme Court nomination. It's. I think he's. I think he knows he's just stir, just trying to stir up because I know this wasn't his his first pick, um, but he knows the political climate we're in. So uh, he nominated politically moderate Judge Merrick Gar- Merrick Brian Garland to fill the late Anto- Antonin Scalia's Supreme Court seat. Obama presented Garland as a serious man, an exemplary judge who is uniquely prepared for the job. Some quick facts about this guy are he's a Harvard law grad. Imagine that. How many other Harvard law grads do we have? Now, that's the- highly unusual, Ed. Exactly. Most of those come out of the uh, University of Phoenix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he was. He's a clerk for the late Justice William Brennan, um, Chief Justice. He was uh, involved in prosecuting both the Unabomber and Timothy McVeigh while working for the Justice Department in the nineties. He's been the Chief Justice for the D.C. Court of Appeals for three years. He is in the Court of Appeals, who we hate. Yep, um, Ninth District especially. Especially, but that's is that here. Well, it's on the side, yeah. Yeah, okay. So because of this record, because of his record in prosecuting both domestic and foreign terrorists, including a 2003 decision siding against detainees at Guantanamo Bay, Garland is largely largely regarded as a good bipartisan choice. He's no liberal firebrand, The Economist reported this week. In normal times, he would probably be a bipartisan shoe-in for the Supreme Court. But these aren't normal times. This is an election year. Here's Senator and Majority Leader Mitch McConnell actually growing a couple uh, for the first time in the year and a half that we've had the Senate. The American people are perfectly capable of having their say. The Senate will appropriately revisit the matter when it considers the qualifications of the nominee the next president nominates. Well, I'll tell you, Ed, if you ever want to hear a dynamic speaker, it's Mitch McConnell. He just blows me away every single time. How did did he he get to become Senate Majority Leader? I have no idea. We got rid of Dingy Harry and we got his Republican counterpart. Pretty much. Um, So we're actually saying we may get something out of having control of the Senate because we've gotten nothing, Mitch, up to this point. So now we're actually going to get something. Maybe. Maybe. And of course, Obama Obama thinks this is outrageous because anybody who says anything that is against Obama. It's outrageous. It's political grandstanding. To suggest that someone as qualified and respected as Merrick Garland doesn't even deserve a hearing, let alone an up or down vote, to join an institution as important as our Supreme Court, when two thirds of Americans believe otherwise, that would be unprecedented. Unprecedented that someone would actually, you know what, it's not, I'm trying to think of a it's the I'm trying to think of how I heard somebody put it this morning. They said it's the it's the right of the Senate. It's the right of the Senate to vote or not to vote or to confirm. I'm trying to think how they put it. And I say, you know what? The Senate doesn't have have the right to to vote on it. They have the responsibility to do what's right for the American people that voted them in. The people have rights. The government has responsibilities. 
Right. And I don't know what he's talking about. What two thirds of America are demanding that Merrick Garland be appointed a Supreme Court justice? I looked at the guy and go, yeah, liberal. Uh, Bruce, your thoughts? Yeah. Well, let's talk about a couple of things. Number one, the Supreme Court justice should be somebody who is a constitution expert and apply the constitution to the item that's before them, period. There shouldn't be any ideology involved, number one. Number two, the... The idea that Obama says it's unprecedented, it's outrageous, um, it, there's something called the Biden law from when Biden said a Supreme Court justice will not be looked at during the final year of an election year for president. Okay, I, I think we have that clip. It is my view that if a Supreme Court justice resigns tomorrow or within the next several weeks or resigns at the end of the summer, President Bush should consider following the practice of a majority of his predecessors and not, and not name a nominee until after the November election is completed. Well, I guess the Senate Judiciary Committee should seriously consider not scheduling confirmation hearings on the nomination until ever, until after the political campaign season is over. Well, I guess that shows the double standard for the Dems, eh? Oh yeah. And thinking of, and thinking of double standards, and anybody here, uh, Hillary, talking about Libya this week? Yeah, sure did. Uh, interesting comment that uh, she said we didn't lose anybody in uh, in Libya. Play it, Dan. So, yes, I mean, Libya was a different uh, kind of uh, calculation, yeah. and we didn't lose a single person. Yeah, I think uh, Sean Smith's mom and. Uh, Ty, Tyrone Woods' mom and um, Glenn Doherty's mom and uh, Ambassador Stevens' mom would all have a, have something to say about that, about we didn't lose any people. Hillary, you stinking little troll you. For you to actually say something like that, it's just, uh, she, she's living in a parallel universe. She really is. Your thoughts, Bruce? But what difference does it make? Hey, we're going to see what difference it makes. We're going to see what difference it makes. And for, for all of you guys that are thinking about voting Hillary, Shame on you, and let's put let's install the brain back in your head, so uh, November eighth we can uh, we can turn this country around. No, for sure, and I think that a lot of people that think that Trump or Cruz will lose to Hillary, uh, I say no. I mean, I think we can count on a low voter turnout, which is what we've already seen in the primaries on the Democrat side. A lot of those Bernie supporters are not going to go over to Hillary. That FBI probe, the gift that keeps on giving, for God's sakes, Ed, will continue to keep giving. Uh, and she's also not funny. She's unlikable. And she's the Antichrist, Ed. Bruce, I think I got it all in there. Final thoughts? Uh, echo, echo. It was great. Hey, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for uh, coming on and uh, being with us, Bruce. Scott, as always. Always lots of fun, Ed. And uh, we'll see you guys out at the Conservative Conference at the Fox Performing Arts Theater. My name is Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event. And I'll be back again with you next week.